Larry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Say hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven Major League talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. This year, the Cleveland Indians have a multi-talented team. The first offering, just a bit outside. They're masters of the sacrifice. He's looking to sacrifice a live chicken. One whole chicken, just like you said. The double play. Excuse me. I have a much better body than she does. Thank you for me, she really does. And the pickoff. Every time we win, we peel a section. Tom Berenger. Superintendent skirt stuck. Use your imagination. Charlie Sheen. These things make me look ridiculous. Seeing's the most important thing, son. I don't think it's that important. Corbin Burnson. And Bob Euchre. Haywood swings and crushes one towards South America. Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one. Yellowstone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first edition of Props. It's a po- new podcast from Beckett Media where uh, John Finkel and I sit down and talk about movies that we love and the memorabilia from them. And it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, John. It is. It is. We've workshopped the, the log line for the show as opposed to uh, you know the log lines that would be on the movie poster. Sure. So I think we, we wrapped up with uh, From Hollywood to the Hobby, which, which kind of encapsulates what we're, what we're trying to do. And since sports movies have such a... Such a big deal uh, within our sports fans' lives, within the hobby, within signings, within memorabilia. This seems like a really fun, kind of perfect uh, perfect podcast to launch, so I'm pumped. I'm pumped, too. So uh, we decided, we put our, our collective heads together, and we came up with a Major League for the first one. Uh, fitting that we're going to do a baseball season for season one. Yep. Uh, opening day is uh, Thursday, so if you're, well, last Thursday, if you're listening to this today, on uh, the day it drops. And uh, the Indians look to be pretty good, but back in 1989... They look pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah, what's really great about doing uh, the movie that we chose first, which is Major League, is that the movie itself opens, and we'll get into kind of more detail of the movie, but it basically the opening segment is a scrolling uh, area of newspaper clippings yeah. where it all basically tells you how horrible and how futile and how awful. It's, it's really a low-light reel of Cleveland. Sure. <laughs> they have... Every single like burnt out, you know, worn out factory that's empty, steam coming off places, you know, deserted streets, mm-hmm. <laughs> deserted warehouses, and then an empty, you know, Cleveland Indian Stadium, and then also just all the clippings of how terrible the Indians were. 
fitting since we'll be there for the national coming up. <laughs> yes, August. yeah, exactly. Well, again, there is a highlighted version they could have done, but they chose to show sort of the, Just, yeah. the beat up version of, of Cleveland. So we both sat down and rewatched this film. Uh, thoughts, initial thoughts. I mean, My initial thoughts were, you know, I probably hadn't seen it start to finish in years but i'd seen clips of it a zillion times sure what i was saying just briefly before we started was i can still quote the moment i saw the movie every part of the movie okay but the context and some of the jokes that maybe over the years i hadn't heard in a while like Mm -hmm. i laughed out loud at things i probably didn't laugh out loud the first time of course and there were definitely things where i remembered differently like whole lines and whole scenes differently Mm -hmm. and then also i guess it's part of getting older being 40 is the ages of some of the guys right. kind of was messed with me a little bit. Whereas when I was for the first, you know, it started out in 1989 when I was, I guess it came out when I was 11. So the first 20 years of me watching the movie, I never thought of these things. I agree. Um, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was a, a young, well, you're 40, I'm 37. So we're not that far apart in age. And, yeah. uh, HBO was actually the first time I ever saw this nice. movie. And we recorded it. And it was on it was on the back end of a tape that had stripes and baby baby boomers on it. Oh, okay. So it it went stripes, baby boomers, and major league on the same on the <laughs> same video tape. And we had a lot of good days watching it, watching uh, rewatching it over and over and over. Yeah, it was a very VHS go to blockbuster rent the video movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in the theater. I remember renting it. I can't tell you who it was with or, or what. I think it was. I'm guessing it was probably one of my older cousins, but I remember uh, renting it and then seeing it so many times mm-hmm. immediately after that. And, you know, it was R, so that was part of it. I was probably sure. 11, 12, 13. Every swear word was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, every kind of insinuation of a joke that I probably shouldn't have heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can kind of get into later some of the lines that held up. But it wasn't billed that way. I remember the, I briefly remember the lead up to it. But I don't remember it being nearly, and it's not a hard R, especially considered right. nowadays. Yeah. But um, here's the the log line from 1989. Yeah, let's talk about it. It sounds like a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. And this is the log line that's on the movie poster, and, and we'll go through who's on the poster. But the log line uh, for Major League was, when these three oddballs try to play hardball, the result is totally screwball. <laughs> that's horrible. It's horrible. That is horrible. <laughs> that's not a movie. That I'm thinking, you know, think about adults at the time. Right. They're not like, oh, you got to go see this. And especially when you look at the poster and you've got Corbin Burnson, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Berenger, who, you know, he had, had he was he had platoon, so he was a bit of a name. And then Charlie Sheen. Right. Sheen, uh, from, you know, from looking at it, was clearly the draw. It looks like he probably signed on to do it a little before he blew up. But his, his movies directly before that were Wall Street, Young Guns, and Eight Men Out. So... He was visible. He was mm-hmm. a star. That's probably why they threw him on the poster in the beginning. Sure. You said that one of the trailers you saw had basically didn't even have some of these guys on it. Yeah, the trailer that I watched uh, on YouTube, which was brilliant, which is different than the one from IMDb. Yeah, there's a couple different a ones. Couple, so this one, the the stars were Bob Euchre and Corbin Burnson, which, okay, Corbin, I can understand, but Bob Euchre? I mean. <laughs> yeah, Euchre. And, you know, he, he, what, he was the name and he played and he was the right. voice, but. His sort of so this actually made him a much bigger star. Right, right. So I was I didn't realize that he was actually put into the position of promoting the movie as a draw. Right. Because he steals whole parts of this. Yes, movie. he does. Completely. And and that's one of the, the big takeaways that, that I I had was aside from all the characters, like he ties the entire movie together. He's now, basically the cheat voiceover. Was he he was he was in Mr. Belvedere right or was it he was in a sitcom spinoff. I don't even remember what else. he was in at the time. I didn't remember watching him in anything specifically. Yeah, he was in a he was in a sitcom after this, actually. I think that's this spun into a, okay. a sitcom for him, and I believe it was Mr. Belvedere. But I always wanted to know, like, because his scenes in it, you know, they're they're so bad, and he's yeah. got 
Jack Daniels everywhere, and he's drinking mm-hmm. the whole time, and he's got the color man who says nothing, and he has that great joke about it. But he he's the through line for where they are because they really skip through. I mean, obviously baseball mm-hmm. is a hundred sixty two game season, right. but they jump around. All of a sudden, they're sixty and sixty. And right, like and you kind of know what's been going on because of his voiceover throughout, but sure. it's not really a voiceover because he's got jokes. Mm-hmm. He's got jokes. Right. He's, he's got, got jokes a lot on of jokes. jokes. On jokes. Um, and then in terms of other guys that were in the movie, you know, Wesley Snipes, before this, I was looking, his, uh, he was in Bad, the Michael Jackson uh, long video. Yes. And he was also in an episode of Miami Vice. Okay. But this was his, this was his breakout. Out there, this yeah. was Hayes as Serrano's breakout. Um, and, you know, Rain Russo is sort of just coming on the mm-hmm. scene as an it girl and plays yeah. the, you know, the 80s to the, you know, the hair and the dress, the whole <laughs> thing to a T. And I have some thoughts on her character later on and then uh the guy who played harris was pretty much the other main character hadn't been in a ton of stuff um so we can get into a little of, of his stuff that's where the age thing gets to yeah later. yeah he's uh <laughs> he, Ch- chelsea ross is his name he's, he's one of yes. my favorite favorite uh character actors ever you know he's, he's about he's probably name a movie you know he's in it you yeah. know and he's a, yeah. he, and he's also a voice in king of the hill right so i just i really love love him and uh wesley snipes Oddly enough, we're gonna. I want to mention uh, Major League Two here. Yes, Snipes was not into. It was no. then Willie Mays Hayes was then played by Omar Epps. Yes, and that was a big letdown for a lot of people. I uh, have never seen Major League Two, oh, which no. is odd because I've seen <laughs> and enjoyed Caddyshack Two, and I don't know. I think there's another weekend at Bernie's that I've enjoyed, but I never, I never dove into the Major League Two scene. Uh, two and three just. Just passed. I think I saw three. Back to the minors. And didn't miss anything <laughs> in, from two. It, you know, the thing was, it was such a perfect movie. And, and, and we can kind of go through some of the things that stood out. Like, when you rewatch it, they do a great job of setting up how, you know, how bad Cleveland is and what mm-hmm. the mood of the town is towards the team. Right. Then they have, like, the whole idea, the owner dies. So, we, you know, pick nowadays, who knows, 30 or 40 years later. But the owner dies and his ex-showgirl wife. Yeah. Takes over, and her goal, her whole goal, is to be the Miami Marlins. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's it. That, I mean, I don't know if people don't remember that because that's kind of the beginning. You kind of she says it like once, and then you kind of almost lose sight of why she was had to get you know the. For those who don't remember exactly, there was a loophole in the contract to stay in Cleveland. If the attendance fell under ten thousand a game or mm-hmm. seven thousand a game, they could break their contract with the old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, and they could move to Miami where. As a showgirl, apparently she would be more comfortable. <laughs> yes, apparently. All right, so let's talk about the box office. What did it do at the box office, and how long did it run? Uh, it was in for about you know six weeks, and it made about forty nine million, which is nothing compared to nowadays. No, it cost eleven million. Yeah, so. so they kept the star power. Apparently, this is a fun fact. A lot of it was shot in Milwaukee, not the Cleve, right? Which was interesting, and I didn't realize this. Until I was, I was. I was uh, had it on while I was working out, and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" At the end of the credits, it was rolling, and it was like, "Thank you to the great people of Milwaukee, Milwaukee. and Milwaukee Stadium." And I was like, "Really?" The <laughs> Cleve in their own movie gets the shaft. Yes, that's horrible. <laughs> that, but that brings in the Bob Euchre thing too, because he was the yeah. voice of the Brewers for a long time. So yeah, and they, you know, I was wondering to the stadiums. I mean, obviously it's easy to shoot an empty stadium, sure. but they did fill it up right. towards the end, and then the final game. So right. I wonder because the Indians weren't selling out. How did they draw that many people? Mm. Yeah. There was no real, you know, maybe uh, maybe like a casting call or just you know come yeah, out and be just an extra come out and get movie. free hot dogs yeah. and, and be an extra. Yeah, that that had to have been what they did because that place was rocking and it looked like even from the you know unless they put exterior shots from something else, but really realistically, the, you know, that was the, the the real Indians team then. Uh, and I had uh, lived in the Cleve for about eight months in like third grade back then, but that was like the Corey Snyder, Joe Carter team that was actually kind of 
good and yeah. had some young talent on it, but they weren't selling out. They weren't, yeah, games no. as far as I can remember. All right, man. So uh, I, again, we re- we both rewatched it, and you were saying you picked up on some things that you missed the first time, or yeah. maybe had different meaning this time. So what were some of those things? Yeah, a couple of things that I thought that were really interesting. This is kind of like you know the uh, the second watch look of it is the there are scenes where like they really Dorn. Mm-hmm. is a great character. Yeah. He's overlooked as when I was a kid I didn't care, but just the suit, the dress, the whole thing, the the high fine, the high finance guy. Right. And it, because I was more as an adult uh, attuned to like that guy who doesn't care about his actual job but sure. like all the, you know, he's not going to mess up his face and all that. So the punting of all the, you know, the hot corner yeah. stuff was different to me now. And then when um when Lou pees on his contract. Right, right. Like that actually hit me real like before it was funny cuz it's a guy grown man peeing. Right. Now I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like the manager, like, I just don't care about it. peeing on his contract in the middle. Right. That was awesome. I, I think if you go back just a little bit further uh, at, towards the beginning of the movie, before they start showing up at spring training, and they call Lou about the job who's managing a tire oh, store. So great. <laughs> and he's like, well, let me clear my schedule. You know, he just, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I got a guy on the other line looking about white walls. Yeah, so <laughs> it's – Lou just clearly doesn't care about anything that's yeah. happening, and no. and Dorn's contract is the least of his issues. It's so great, and then uh, you know the beauty of it is they get Willie Willie Mays Hayes comes in. He's not on the mm-hmm. roster. They, mm-hmm. they let him stay because he's got gumption or whatever. Right. Then he wins the the forty the time or I guess probably whatever it was first the third sure. time in his pajamas. Right. Then they give him a uniform and a spot, and uh, he then basically does push ups. Right. For the rest of spring the rest training, of the spring as far as training. we know, yeah. we never we, they missed a moment and maybe they edited it out. There's no moment where he has a good swing in the whole film. His first hit is that squeeze check, yeah, spin, right, right, and then the next one is when he legs out the single, which is a chopper. But as far as we know, from there to game 163 that or 162, mm-hmm. he never swings the bat. Never, not, <laughs> yeah, not once. Uh, which is a good, good, le- a good leeway into keeping it real. Uh, some of the yes. most athletic or non-athletic uh, moments in the movie, and we'll start with that swing, that check swing. For somebody of Wesley Snipes, I, I think of Wesley Snipes now, and he's just you know literally kick-ass martial arts guy. Yeah. And for him to be that skinny and and un defined and have a little weak swing, swing like that that was not believable yeah and he, he runs the bases well he yeah. looks great even the slides look good like he clearly put in the time to look right. good he just can't swing a baseball yeah. bat uh and even that that's actually one of my sort of points in terms of uh what you were just saying is overall if this movie was made in right now right all these dudes would be like CrossFit jacked dudes. Yeah, yeah. Not one of them looks like they're in the remote shape to even make it through a nine-inning baseball game except for Ricky. Yeah. But Bernson looks like he can't get out of bed. I mean, he's playing that old guy. <laughs> right. Harris is 47 mm-hmm. playing uh, old pitcher, but realistically, he was 47 mm-hmm. when he was in the movie, and that was one of those areas, to, to jump back a brief minute of, things I didn't ever really pay attention to as a kid. Sure. Is Euchre calling him, that's a KY ball, that's yeah. a Vaseline special. <laughs> I didn't even, I just ignored all those words. Right. When I was a kid, and this time watching him, I was like, God, he's just talking about junking up the ball yeah. every single every time, single openly. time. But Crisco and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was one area. I would say anytime Dorn threw the ball, mm-hmm. it was, he just it looked like his elbow was stuck to his hip. Chuck Knobloch. Yeah. That's, that's ex- he had the yips, and yep. he couldn't get it back over Yeah, he, he couldn't throw the ball yeah. at all. Uh, and then I would say um, – 
the best would be Sheen could pitch in high school. He he, he mm-hmm. pitched. He he right. didn't he didn't take it away. Those are sports movies where you're kind of looking, but he right. could throw. He could clearly he could throw the ball. Serrano, mm. his swing looked good. I mean, he was only you know basically rope and homers all sure. the time. But he had exactly. a, he was a big guy with a big swing. And then Hayward, the the Yankees guy who led the league in nose hair uh, two years <laughs> in a row, had a great swing also. Yes. Uh, so those were kind of they kept that going through, but. And Jake Taylor couldn't swing. I mean, right. The, even the pull, they pulled, they did for all his swings, except for the last bunt, they pulled out to like three counties over. Like mm-hmm. they were these wide, wide shots. And right. even from there, he has like this weird hitch. It's like Barkley's golf swing. Mm. But they were able to, they were able to play around a little Tom bit. Tom Berenger. Was this, this was after Platoon. After right? Platoon. Yeah, yeah. So his star power is a little. Maybe he had movies to stay in And they're like, so, you know what? We'll just. We'll just pull out. <laughs> he was great. I mean, he was so good in the movie. He played all the other roles. He played the aging guy in the Mexican League, you know, guy who right. couldn't hack it in the Mexican League, as right. he says. But uh, I think that is definitely one of those areas where when you rewatch it as an, as an adult, as a mm-hmm. kid, everybody's older than you, so whatever. But as an adult, you're like, God, that swing's terrible. And right. throw is just awful. And Harris pitching, he actually did okay. He plays the part of a super old guy trying to hang sure. on. But he's just a hair too old. I just a little like. bit too old. And then also, by the way, they show no other pitchers. No. You've got Harris, you've got Vaughn. Right. And apparently there's a whole other staff we'd never see who never get in the game. That is, I, you know, I didn't even catch that until right now. <laughs> that is very true. They don't show anybody else. And here's one, while we're on this, one, uh, you know, I, I was going to call it just a sports snob moment of sure. watching the movie. What they overlook, and out of nowhere they give it this name because Euchre calls it, is in the, in the last inning of the last game, right before Jake does his whole thing, Apparently, this man named Thompson mm. hits basically without the foot of getting it out of the park. He hit like that would have been like it's caught. Right, they catch it. I think I was on right field. It looks like, but in terms of a, a game like this and a movie like this, if this was real life, like that's one of those like oh my god, Thompson almost won the game on a walk off. Right, but for purposes of the movie, he yeah. caught. But I never realized how close they came to winning right before. You know, they would have never had the fake called shot and exactly. Leslie do it all his stuff. Let's talk about some of the lines from the movie. Uh, again, you you were saying off air that you, you were kind of misremembering some whole scenes or some whole lines. And I, I think that's funny how you you can go back and watch a film 20 years later and, and it's not quite what you remember. It's it's close, but uh, in your mind you've played it out. One of mine is uh, up yours, Joe Boo. I always put the F word in there for some reason. But it's actually it, just up your butt, Joe Yeah, up your butt, Joe yeah. Boo. So uh, that was one of mine. But what about what, what were some for you? I had one. So most of them were, um, were Euchre lines. Yeah. Like, so remember when the one, and this one had me laugh out loud because I hadn't heard it in a while was when Vaughn's pitching for the first time and he goes, Ricky Vaughn played in the California. He's, he goes, uh, he's a juvenile delinquent in the offseason yeah. and makes his debut. <laughs> My head, he was, he said he's an ex con. Like, right. I've been quoting that as an ex con in the offseason forever. Right. But it, it's actually, and which is better, it's a juvenile delinquent uh, sure. in the offseason. Then, then all of the knocks that, uh, Every time, every time Euchre goes to take a swig of Jack, mm-hmm. or basically is like, ah, hell, no one's listening. Anyway, right. I don't know why I thought that was like in the beginning, but that's like halfway through, and he's like, this last segment's brought to you by, ah, hell, no, but no. that's actually a whole different thing. <laughs> sure, it's a whole different scene. I, I combined two scenes in my head, and then this one, I don't know why this stuck out of my head, but now you're watching it older. So there's the scene where. Jake sees uh, Lynn at the restaurant for the first time. Right. Ray Russo, Tom, you know, Barringer sees her and he goes and does the phone call and he's like, look, I'm not leaving until you give me your number. And right. she gives him his phone number and he calls. And this is what bugged me at the time. 
it's Cuyahoga sheet metal, <laughs> which is a funny joke because like, oh, whatever. But yeah. then as an adult, I'm like, why on earth does a librarian know by heart the number to Cuyahoga sheet, sheet metal? metal. <laughs> <laughs> that's like she funny. has that. That's her. I got to keep this number for when these guys ask me out. Right. I'm just going to. And so are the people at Cuyahoga sheet metal like, listen. This is what Lynn does. Right. She's not interested. She always gives everybody the Cuyahoga sheet metal number. That's funny. I had never thought about that, but that's true. Uh, Lynn, who played, she was an Olympic swimmer. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was going to, all right, I'm going to be completely honest with you. This was like full-blown. I was full-blown Renee Russo crazy after this movie. Yeah, she so was great. She was amazing in it. I thought she was beautiful. Yeah. You know, my little 12-year-old self just yeah. was going, running crazy. So what about, but you're a swimmer. Yes. She played a swimmer. Yeah. How'd you, what'd you I, think? I think of all the athletes in the movie, she probably passed the test because yeah. she had the, like she was like very very athletic looking. She was tall, sure, and uh, her event was a two hundred IM, right? Which was you know that's a that's a that's a difficult stroke to have a difficult uh, you know event to have as your as your your main event. I thought she was great in that. I loved that they were both ex athletes. The thing that I didn't buy a little bit was like that competitive edge of going from you know said she said she hadn't swum in three years basically, right. so she was an alternate on the eighty team, so it was eighty nine. So say she was twenty two, so she was thirty, which I guess is okay. Okay. Went in to be a librarian in Cleveland. Mm. So swimming usually, all the swimmers will migrate to a Florida or a Texas right, or right. Arizona or UCLA to train. So her path to ending up stuck in the Cleve was a little confusing to me, especially <laughs> for swimmers. They tend to stay in the, the warmer weather. Right. So I didn't understand any of her backstory. And then also... One of the things that I remember was, you know, when Jake shows up at her place, but it's his place. It's mm-hmm. a great movie scene of like he thinks he's following her, right? But that looks like the worst dinner party in the history oh, got, of it, dinner parties. It reminded me. I'm gonna bring up Beetlejuice here. It kind of reminded me of <laughs> yeah. like a like a Beetlejuice movie dinner scene. You know, <laughs> that it was the worst dinner party anybody gets so oh, snobby and stuck Mozart up. Mozart on the radio oh. or whatever, or the record, and there's somebody serving them weird yeah. food, yeah. and there's like this random old couple. Who do, none of them know about anything. They're right. all sitting awkwardly, mm-hmm. and it's got the great, uh, the great ending of that scene where they shake and sure. insult each other. But uh, yeah, that was one of those moments where, like, for some reason, I thought the joke in that scene was Jake following her. Yeah. But as I'm older, I was like, no, no, the whole joke is like these two guys posturing. But I was 14. Right. I didn't know that that was what I thought it was funny that. Uh, well, to be fair, he was driving that dugout car or whatever that. that no, that was. Uh, yeah, was that, that later? That was, I think, later because that was when he followed her to her house. Later. Yeah, because remember, you know, because that's the scene we're talking about. He follows her to the elevator, goes to the sixth right, floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he goes and gets like six beers in him. Right. And then he shows back up. Mm-hmm. And he's now like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of those things where now I'm older, I understand the scenario. But yeah, in the beginning, I thought he drove that, that clubhouse car everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know what? I watched this two days ago. And now it's been two days and I still can't remember the damn scene. It's <laughs> funny. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you, your dress is stuck. She says, "Use your imagination." Yeah, he steps on yeah. it with the cleats. Uh, so, did did you have a favorite quote from the movie? Like one, that you, my favorite quote is always going to be. It, it's always going to be, "Give him the heater." Give him the heater because you can use that as an adult at any time you're hesitating on whether to go with your best stuff. Sure. Forget the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater, and then all of Jake's commentary in the middle is like, "Oh, I don't know what the kid's thinking about. So many pitches to choose from." Right, right. That whole that whole thing, and then the strike at it, and the ent- from the entryway entrance of Vaughn, mm-hmm. wild thing, whole stadium going nuts, which still gave me a little bit of the chills. Honestly, sure. like the whole scene there comes in, Dorn comes in. You think they're gonna fight? And he says, "Strike this mf'er out." Yeah, right. 
to the pitches, to the give them the heater. To, that four and a half is about as movie sports movie perfection as you're going to get. My favorite quote from this movie, and I think it would be a lot of people's favorite quote, is uh, are you trying to tell me that Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, that, that is a, that is a uh, quote that comes in comes up in conversation on this side of the building at least once a week <laughs> and it's still one of my favorites uh because he's got vaseline and like we talked about he's got vaseline snot everything like, by the way reads hustler on the airplane yeah <laughs> drinks rum before yeah. the game when he can yeah and uh Dorn gives a great basically when he says that he's like i'd like to do a prayer Dorn again character who in all these movies stepped way up to me sure a character i almost ignored for the first 50 times i saw the movie became mm-hmm. one of my favorites as he asked to do a team prayer gets up farts blows a fart yeah. on him and, <laughs> <laughs> says, and walks out like he's just like Dorn's great like a very big much higher stock on Dorn than i had ever before watching it uh agreed agreed he is very funny uh i i found that this was nominated for one award really one award it was a war uh, the award of the japanese academy for best foreign language film think about that from them from from the japanese academy to, to is America. it just because of the two groundskeepers i maybe <laughs> who are brothers by the way really and they okay. they have two movie credits major league one and major league two. Oh, you kind of bring them back yeah you know? they, they do such a good job with lining the box <laughs> and, uh, in the field so that was the the lone uh, award it was nominated for but it did not win so <laughs> I did not know that. That's all right. Uh, let's move on to some of the memorabilia because uh, that's why we're really here, folks. Uh, I took a look and did some in-depth research and found some stuff that's come up for auction. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, some of it did not sell, which I thought was odd. Because oh, okay. maybe uh, some of the things are some of the things I want. Maybe yeah, I can finally produce. maybe uh, the, one of the examples of something that did not sell was a heritage auction back in 2007. Was a, an actual bat, a big stick bat from Major League. Okay, it went unsold. Interesting. Opening bit of a hundred dollars signed by anybody? No, nah, it was the, just from the movie. It had okay. a, a full letter of authenticity. Okay, just did not sell. So uh, that I found that to be interesting. Then the, you have stuff that does sell all the time. Like uh, Golden Auctions had a, an eleven by seventeen mini poster signed by Charlie Corbin and Tom, and it sold for five hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. Um, Pristine Auctions had a full Charlie Sheen jersey from the from the movie uh, framed, and it sold for three hundred and forty dollars. So a little okay, bit, so stills and yeah. things from the movie. No, 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 the jersey. Oh, the jersey itself framed. The, yeah, okay. framed. That's good. Um, it was also signed by Charlie. So uh, then on eBay, you can find lots and lots of lots of great memorabilia from this movie. Uh, but the one that I found interesting, and you brought up Milwaukee earlier, was in 1989, it premiered mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Right. And a Milwaukee set of premiere ticket and reception ticket sold on eBay recently for $100. Really? Yeah, that's so, pretty and, cool. And it, sit, it had a Milwaukee premiere on it. It was really, it was really uh, interesting piece. I did not know that it was in Milwaukee until until yeah, I, I saw this. So yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, that was interesting. And then uh, Tops, of course, uh, released in the archive set uh, two seasons ago. Uh, had all kinds of fan autographs from from the film, so you could get Charlie, you could get Corbin, you could get Tom, you could get all those guys. And then uh, Tops did a special. I don't really want to call it. A, it's probably a subset. It's probably what it is in triple threads that mm-hmm. had full relic pieces from from movie memorabilia. Oh, cool. So uh, if there's one on eBay right now of Charlie Sheen, it's a one of one, and they're asking fifteen hundred dollars for it. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. The, like that. That seems like something. I guess you could have. I, I was. Uh, I was looking as well. Most of the things. So. That I I would want. I don't know if they've ever been available or if cast members have them. Okay. Um. But I th- I thought what would be uh, fun is so if you could pick any three things from the movie. 
Okay. And you could just have right sure. now. You can snap your fingers and they show up in your office or at home mm-hmm. and they're obviously certified. What would they be? I have three if you want me to start. Go ahead. Okay. You, you three because I don't want to be the same. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll do one then you can do okay, it. Okay. All right. I would love to have the, in a frame, Euchre's, at the end, the pastel mm. coat right. that he wore, the sports coat, pastel sports coat with the Indians logo on it, mm-hmm. and then one actual bottle of Jack that he had <laughs> at the bottom of the frame. Very I nice. I think that would be an awesome thing to have signed by Euchre. I don't know if this counts as a piece of memorabilia, but I would like the I w- I w- the script in the line where Behringer says, how's your wife and my kids? <laughs> I would like that, just that sheet signed. Now, see, here's the thing about that. I watching that scene. It sounds like Hayward says that line. Right, it I does. Couldn't, I I couldn't. I I always attributed it to Berenger the whole time. Yeah. But then as I'm walking up, I thought, is Hayward saying this line? Because Berenger has the line where, like, later when he get, tries to get the guy to pop up, mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, you, you know, I saw your your husband, your wife at the, yeah. the dance at the, the club last night, right. and uh, I'm sure that guy's a real close friend of yours." And that's all his lines. I don't have an answer. I literally always assumed that was a. Behringer I assumed line. it too. It was too because it was com- he was talking to. The, the Yankee guy, whatever. He was talking to to, yeah. to, to Hayward, yeah, Hayward. the big guy, but Hayward's like playing a joke. Yeah, that's right. I don't know because no. Ch- Hayward taunts to him later. He's like, "Hey, uh, they let you back up here or something." Right, right. That, I don't know. I just it's a possible point of contention of who actually has that line. All right, what's next on your list? Uh, my next thing is I would love a pair of Willie Mays Hayes gloves. I would second that. That was going to be my second thing. He was, uh, <laughs> I bought a hundred pairs of these for every base I'm going to yes. steal this year. He has also a great 80s graffiti. His bedroom, mm-hmm. Willie Mays Hayes' bedroom in the movie, if you ever take a still of it, he has a spray-painted Willie Mays Hayes at the head of his bed that he just did on his wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is ever a poster of that, I think that would be pretty awesome uh, to have or someone could recreate. Um, and then for me, which is this is a pretty much an obvious one, but I'm sure Charlie Sheen has them. But if there's a pair of Ricky Vaughn glasses mm-hmm. somewhere, uh, it'd be hard not to have. And then a Jobu. I know Jobu, yeah. they've remade the Jobu. The Jobu, but, yes. but if you had the original Jobu, that would be awesome. Those are my four plus couple different extra things. So um, I want one of those golf club head warmers. That oh, yeah. Hats for bats. <laughs> Hats yeah. for bats. He puts on good. A, he, he keeps bats warm. Uh, <laughs> love that. But then Joe, you mentioned Joe Boo. I, I found this very interesting. Joe Boo has taken on, has taken on a whole second life here 20 oh. years later, you know, 25 years later. Uh, our friends over at Clark Toys, they have an official licensed Joe Boo bobblehead that you can get. Really? Uh, it's $39.99. I'm looking at it right now. You can go to their page. and it's come and, with rum and chicken eggs. And it, all. Well, <laughs> it comes with a full locker, like a... You know, a full mini locker of, and it's got baseball cards hung up in the background and the little. Uh, oh yeah, shrine. the baseball cards. By the way, while we're doing this, I took note. So in in Serrano's locker, mm-hmm. do you remember the two cards that are there? I do not. No, there's a Hank Aaron card. Okay. Uh, I don't remember the year. Fifty. I don't know. Maybe a fifty-five. Okay. Six. And then there is a Clemente card. Ah. And the other cards is a faraway scene where I froze it, but I couldn't make him out. But that, at one point, his locker has like six cards in it. Mm. But the scene where he goes and he does like the really close with the snake thing sure. uh, has a Hank Aaron and a Clemente. I'm sure somebody listening knows exactly which two cards they are. I'm sure they, I'm sure uh, they do. But a recreation of that locker somewhere. And like, a, you know, I don't know if they even have Planet Hollywood anymore, but that would be a cool, that would be a cool thing to have. That would be really awesome. Uh, so also, Jobu has a website. Of course he does. Blog, right? Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's Jobu lifestyle, and basically you can just follow Jobu around the world, 
And oh, really? sadly, they're in Phoenix, Arizona, and I missed them when oh, <laughs> we no. were there just last week. But Jobu Lifestyle, they have a Twitter page and a Facebook page as well. You can you can just follow the adventures of Jobu. All right. And it's a uh, dang dang. It looks pretty fun. He's had a rough life, that guy. Yeah, he, he really has. So that's it for memorabilia wise. Again, you can you can find tops baseball cards right pretty fairly easily on uh on ebay i did want to point out and give a shout out to uh to one guy his name his ebay name is 2013 cards for cheap he does a lot of art custom cards Mm -hmm. and he has a whole series of major league cards oh cool and my favorite is the willie mays hayes 1989 upper deck uh it looks a lot like ken griffey jr's Uh but it's pretty darn awesome too so he had that big smile like yeah. griffey like he was almost he was probably too late to actually model after griffey because griffey came around the, or too early i mean right but uh he basically played like the happy-go-lucky sure and he was great he like surprisingly not just sort of like the uh the the new guy on the scene in the movie like he got a, like he was great he and vaughn had good chemistry mm-hmm. he and, uh, Cor- uh, uh Berenger had good chemistry so uh yeah i'd say the uh the overall review of the movie in terms of coming back to it was there was other characters that, and he wasn't a minor character by any means, but I enjoyed them more as an adult than sure. I did in the 30 times I watched them before I was probably 25. Sure. Uh, I did the same thing with, uh, not related here at all, but with Ghostbusters. I watched that again yeah. recently, you know, and I'm like, the adult humor that's in it is yeah. is awesome. And I found the same thing with this. There's so much innuendo and like, subliminal stuff that you don't catch when you're 14 yeah. or 12 years old. Well, how about like you get, I know we're wrapping up, but like the idea that at the end, Lynn takes him back mm-hmm. when he seemingly cheated on her with every stripper, yeah. waitress, yeah. airline stewardess he found. And then she finds herself in the quintessential photo of the team. Right. She said nothing to do with anybody. And the movie ends on a freeze of like Serrano and Corbin Burns and, and Jake holding her up as like the team mascot. Right. It was one of those things where I was like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. She actually, this is it. Yeah. Good for her. Way to jump in. Way to squeeze yourself into the greatest photo in Cleveland Indians history. <laughs> That's true. Lynn. Good job, Lynn. I <laughs> uh, love the MasterCard commercial. Is it the MasterCard? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't steal home without it. Yeah, don't steal home without it. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, what did we miss, man? We want to know what we missed. What did you think uh, about the podcast? What did you think about the movie? Uh, reply in the comments, of course. Let us know uh, what you would like to have from the from the movie and uh, some of your favorite scenes, and we will be happy, happy to respond to those accordingly. John? Yeah, this was awesome. I loved it, man. It was first. It was yeah, the first one. We got a bunch more. We got we got at least seven more coming up. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, guys, uh, hang around for prop season one. We're gonna have a lot of fun. Next up, I believe, is the natural. So yes, uh, yeah, I, I gotta I gotta watch that. So for follow the first you. Time. Follow yeah. me. Follow us on all our channels. I'm at John underscore Finkel on Twitter. I am at uh, at Eric Norton three sixteen on Twitter. Tell us what movies you want to see. What yeah. things you liked about this. What segments maybe you'd want to do. This is very uh, collaborative effort between us and you guys. So yes. we look forward to hearing from you. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out, and we'll be back. Cut. <laughs>